Yay, it's Dr. Sue's Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Stuart Fishbein, community-based practicing obstetrician and longtime advocate for birth choices. And I'm here, as usual, with the best co-host in the business, my friend, the Blisterious One, midwife extraordinaire, Bliss Young. How are you doing, Bliss? I'm great. How are you? We're, I'm good. We're happy to be back for a podcast, whatever number it says on the top of your podcast <laughs> app, because <laughs> we, we, I, was slacking. I, think, I think we screwed up. So this is podcast 158, but it'll probably be played as podcast 159. Because we're and like so, that? Yes, because we do that. And we're not two dum-dums on a couch with mics today, but we're just, we do it anyway, <laughs> right? Well, like, I love it. You said, we can make mistakes. That's yeah, okay. It's our podcast. Yeah. We can do that. All right. Find us on social media <laughs> at Birthing Instincts on Instagram or at Birthing Bliss Midwifery. Uh, we're on Facebook. Websites are birthinginstincts.com, birthingbliss.com. And if you're listening, you obviously know how to find us on your podcast app. I'm sure that our logo still isn't working. <laughs> <laughs> Darn. Darn. Uh, so anyway, what's uh, what's going on? We got, to, we got a couple things uh, to take care of, and then we have a guest today. So let's... Take care of our stuff first. Okay. Do you want to talk Business. about Erin first? Oh, sure. Let me get my stuff together. She's on it. She's the best in the business. <laughs> <laughs> He's just throwing things at me. <laughs> um, well, first I want to say I'm going out of town this weekend. And I'm really excited about that. I'm off call. Yeah, but you're already like out of town and back already now. <laughs> um, I'm off call. So I'm going into the forest by myself. I heard. Yeah, for four days. Should we not tell people where you're going so they don't try to track you down? I don't think anyone's going to try to track yeah. me you're down. You're going up to Big Sur, aren't you? I am. Yeah. Yeah, and Great. I'm a, I'm going to write. And you're going I'm up. I'm writing a you're thousand going, pages. You're going up uh, totally like unplanned because you said you don't really have I don't. a place to stay. <laughs> so you're going to figure it out, but you're bringing your camping gear with you. I am. Yeah. And I haven't actually camped all by myself before. I've always been well, a little nervous you, as a woman. If you're camping outside, you'll be like about 300,000 other Californians. Camping outside? Yeah. Well, great. It's going to be awesome. But they're Can't not. They, they, they actually live outside. <laughs> oh, that's not so <laughs> You didn't great. get that. I'm looking at your face and so she thinks I'm serious. No, no. Okay. Uh, right. Okay. So, Erin, uh, uh, we want to congratulate. She had written to us um, previously. She had uh, had, I think it was her third or fourth baby, and she had a leap procedure and had an oblique lie. And she wrote in to us to ask us questions about how we felt her delivery would go, and she had a beautiful delivery. Um, when was it, Aaron? Last week. Well, probably by yeah. two, two, three weeks ago. Seven by seven pounds five ounces <laughs> um, on the September twenty second. The baby was born, so she sent us a little update, and she had a beautiful delivery, and she sent us some gorgeous photos. So we just wanted to give you guys an update and tell Aaron congratulations. Yep. Yay! We're spreading confidence and reassurance wherever we go. Yay. That's Bliss, Bliss and Dr. Stu. We love that. So, all right, I got two things uh, real quick. I have uh, a original research paper from the Green Journal. Uh, came out in um, October. And it's just a brief thing about the evaluation of maternal sleep positions. Oh, you God, know, we always tell, God. We always <laughs> tell people that the best place to sleep is on their left side, right? No. But that's what we tell people. I don't. Why don't you? <laughs> because I... How, how did you know? Mm, midwives um, because you know think about it since the beginning of time women have just slept in where they are comfortable well that's there's some new data that supports that okay <laughs> well, I'm just gonna at least laugh. up in, at least up until 30 weeks if you if you fall you're flat on your back or you're on your right side 
your baby isn't going to shrink or suffocate or have any f- worse outcomes yes. than if you're on your left side. Thank so God, these poor women. whatever's comfortable and with how many pillows you need, knee pillows, whatever, do whatever you do to be comfortable. And if you find yourself waking up flat on your back, you didn't squish your baby. Yeah. The number one thing is to get rest. It's a foundation for health. Right. Just and have a good, you know, have sleep. a comfortable bed and a comfortable mattress. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's easy. That was oh an easy Oh my God. One. That's amazing. Yep. So again, again, maybe I'm cherry picking research that supports what you supports want. our position and ignoring research that well, doesn't. I like that one. Right. Anyway, that's my confirmation bias. Make sure you send me that one. You can have it. <laughs> it's on the floor. <laughs> All right. Uh, I got a letter from Angie. Uh, Angie is from where is Angie from? Let's find out. Lake City, Florida. All right. So we got a Florida listener. Yay. All right. Um, She's writing me. She asked a question. She says, uh, I'm only three episodes in, and I couldn't remember the email they gave to write, so I just Googled Dr. Stu, and here I am. So she wrote me on my regular email. I just wanted to comment on the electronic medical record thing. I just wanted to say amen, because, you know, I think in one of the podcasts I just talked about how... uh, Rant, you mean? You ranted? Did I rant? Usually. I did rant. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Usually. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man you know me too well i'm gonna i'm gonna have to put out an ad for a new sidekick who doesn't know me so well all right i spend so right much in. time char- i spend so much time charting i take paper and pen to my clients appointments then spend all evening or my weekends charting over what i already wrote down on paper while i was with them not staring at a screen typing things in it would be so much easier to have one chart on paper to jot down the information and then be done d-o-n-e yep I have tried taking my tablet in the room and trying to do the charting at the time, but it absolutely takes away from actual client care. Now, I would, t- I would just, before I go on with the rest of her letter, I would just say that there are some midwives who are such good multitaskers that they can actually do both. I do both. Right. Yeah. Right. I haven't seen, I don't know if I haven't I'm actually, good at I haven't it. actually seen you through an interview, you know, a whole intake and all that, so I haven't seen you do that. But I know you do it really well. I know Renee does it really well mm-hmm. up at the birth center. I just, but she's just, I mean, you guys are just really efficient and, but not everybody can, uh, can do two things at once. Mm -hmm. So also I am sick, 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 three, six (laughs) and tired of insurance companies telling me that they are denying a service because their nurse manager in an office somewhere in the U S has decided that on paper he or she has decided my client is high risk when she is in fact not. I just got a denial for a routine anatomy scan because the client was high risk because she was underweight. I, knowing my client, know that she is just a thin person who eats well and drinks plenty of water and stays active and doesn't have an eating disorder or malnourishment. Her weight doesn't make her high risk. Just makes me light on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, but I don't know. I don't really want to meet this woman. All right, I got to meet this woman because she's me. <laughs> you know, a female w- version? Yeah, without a scrotum. <laughs> <laughs> you have to listen to the last podcast. Or the or next or podcast, <laughs> whichever one, whichever played first. In order to understand that. Yes. She is not, yeah, she is definitely not a scrotum. Yeah, no, she's not. Okay. okay. Thank you for your podcast. I'm getting so much from it, and I wish I had found it a long time ago. I have been a Florida licensed midwife for five and a half years doing home birth only. Thank you for all you do. Awesome. Okay, so what did I write? Did I write back to her? Uh, Dear Angie, thank you for sharing your frustration. Even though that was several years ago, I hadn't. It, it had, oh, what I what I talked to her about, it hadn't gotten any better. I recently had a consult. <laughs> you're gonna love this. I recently had a consult with a Kaiser HMO client. Kaiser's a uh, 
an, a large HMO thing here in Southern California. I had her send me her Kaiser chart for the, for her pregnancy. 1,109 pages. Wow. Mostly of irrelevant administrative scrawl <laughs> and a lot of cutting and pasting of useless, redundant information. Wow. There were about 13 pages that were relevant to her current care. <laughs> May I use your letter on a future podcast? And she said, uh, most certainly. So, Yeah, I got one recently that was 63 pages and I thought that was ridiculous. 1,109 pages. You didn't print it, right? I just got somebody who I asked her for the op report. She's not even a client. She's in, I think she's in Arizona and she asked me for an opinion on a teed incision, which I'll probably talk about at a future podcast. Um, she had a C-section for breach and they couldn't get it out. So they teed her incision. Now they told her she could never have yeah. another vaginal delivery before. And I, I wanted her op report and she just sent me her records, 267 pages. Mm. Okay. This is electronic. This is what electronic medical records does. Nothing ever gets less. It only gets bigger. Yeah. All right. But. But. If you're doing electronic to electronic, you don't have to ever kill a tree. No, and I don't print them out anyway. But I'm just Thank saying, God. even re- but reading through them as a yeah. consulting physician. Yeah. No, no, I only like the op report. I found it on page like nine, mm-hmm. and I printed out the op report because I like reading on paper better than reading on screen. I sort of retain. I think I retain better reading a book than reading a book on Kindle. I just do. I like reading books, real books. Yeah. Yeah, much better. But I do love my midwifery app and my iPad and how easy it is and how it's always with me and I can download. I, I think it's great. I, I it, really it, do it is great it. for that and it is great because if you need something, you can just, it's at your, it's on your phone, it's on your fingertips. Yeah. You could just look it up. Yep. Right. So for people who are thinking about it, uh, I really, I really love my mobile midwife app. It's very, you don't need internet. It's great. And from owning the sanctuary, you know, you have to carry around those charts for how long? 20 years or something? It's a long time. That's true. That's, That's true. A pain in the buttocks. Alex right. has them in her garage. garage now. I had them for years and now she's got them. So. I know. That's a that's All a right. So, so without further ado, yes. um, because our time is limited. Yeah. Because someone has to go. I'm going to a concert. Ooh. Who are you going to see? I forgot. You forgot? <laughs> my friend invited me. Oh, my God. But I'm going to the Greek theater with a really good friend. And so that's, oh. it's going to be great. All right. Well, while you're no while, while you're introducing our next guest, I could look up and see who's playing at the Greek tonight. You could. All right. I'll do Cause, that. Because she's going to be mad if I don't know where I'm even going. All right. I'm going to do that. So why don't you introduce our guest? Okay. So, hi. We're here with Diana Heinick. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank she you. She is a friend and a client. Um... We got very close over your last delivery, so I'm so glad that you're here Thank to tell you your story. Me. Yes, of course. So um, you sent me your uh, bio, and it's and it's it's so um, like uh, friendly. <laughs> so I have to kind of like go through it a little bit because it sounds like you were talking. Um, but you were born in Verona, Italy. Yes, born and raised, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I didn't know this that you studied ballet. Contemporary dance. I didn't know that for many, many years. I yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and now here in LA, you are a birth doula and a award-winning photographer, birth photographer. Yes. You also do family photos as well, um, and I think an advocate for women's um, faith in their bodies and the ability to to be empowered with whatever 
the outcome is. Yes. And um, that's one of the reasons why you're here today is yes. to talk a little bit about your own story and um, and a common thread that you have with some other women. So we're, today we're going to be talking about cesareans, um, specifically in regards to women who have cesareans after planning a home birth and the feelings and emotions that come with that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I really, really love that you um, kind of came to us and said, I really want to talk about this. And if you don't have us on, me on, I'm going to go talk to Dr. Berlin. <laughs> 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 and I said, no, we want to have you on yeah. for sure. Of course. And you're certainly welcome to go talk to Dr. Berlin. Of course. Also. Of right. I, I haven't even tried to contact him, but I thought, well, you know, I just. Oh, he'll have you on. I, I spend so much time driving to birth. And usually I listen to your podcast when I'm driving. <laughs> and last time I was doing that, I drove to this mama's home and you Belize opened the door. So that was awesome. Uh, I had you in the car with me and then you were there. <laughs> such, a, such a wonderful yes. journey we're on together. Yes. Yes. Um, so tell us a little bit, if you don't mind, about your story, about your beautiful family who we absolutely adore, your children Thank and your you. husband. They're just, you guys have such a lovely family, live in Venice. Let us, tell us a little bit about your journey. So when I, my first baby, who's going to be 11 on Saturday. Mm. Wow. Um, I was working in the visual effects industry at that time and I had. Wait, what were you doing? I was working in the visual effects industry. Visual, visual effects. effects. Uh -huh. yes. mm -hmm. Sorry, my, my headset just... <laughs> and my accent doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> so um, as default, I had no clue. I didn't know anything about birth. I didn't have any friends here who had given birth here. Um, and so I got pregnant and I just didn't know what to do. And my sister-in-law who had... Um, had a home birth like a year before I got pregnant. She had a, she suggested I hired a doula and I had a doula and then I decided to give birth with the midwives at UCLA Westwood at that time. Now mm -hmm. they're in Santa Monica. Hospital-based midwives. Mm -hmm. And um, the experience was great. I felt the care was fine, but I really didn't know any difference. And then we ended up with a cesarean. Uh, they, of course, I did not want. Mm -hmm. And that was heartbreaking because, you know, there wasn't really a reason why. Yes, we got stuck at seven centimeters, blah, 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 the usual story. So when I got pregnant the second time, um, my doula at that time, uh, she suggested I go to see Dr. Stu. So I went and then he recommended the sanctuary because he said to me, you can come see me at the in, on Century City or can come see me at the sanctuary. And so I did, and I which was at my birth center that I had many years yes. ago. Yeah, and right I, because I, you know, I th I felt like she didn't really need me. Yeah. So I thought that the whole nurturing thing of the sanctuary was perfect, a better choice, which yeah. was exactly what I needed, and mm -hmm. it was very generous Boom. of you. Um, <laughs> and I immediately fell in love with all of them. You know, all the, the midwives. midwives that I met were amazing, and they were so loving and nurturing and the, the care and the tips and all the information and sure enough we ended up having a home birth at home four midwives showed up <laughs> <laughs> i thought whoa i must really need so much help because they're all coming <laughs> or they loved you 
Right. Well, I don't know what this story mm-hmm. is behind, but that's mm-hmm. what happened. And we had my second baby. And then uh, when we planned a third birth at home. So that was your VBAC? It was my VBAC. Uh-huh. My home birth uh-huh. VBAC. Uh-huh. And um, when we planned my third birth, um, we thought we just was going to be a walk in the park. Because, yeah. you know, we, we did, I did it once. And I, we knew I could do it. And yeah. so it was going to be easy peasy, lemon squeezy. <laughs> um, but turns out that during labor, my midwife got very nervous. Um, and I was in pain. And we ended up transferring. Because she wasn't really able to distinguish between the pain that you were having and a potential rupture. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we transferred. And I think part of the problem here is that once you have a cesarean, then if you want to have a VBAC and then you end up transferring, you need to find a care provider in a hospital who will support that. Mm -hmm. And her backup at the hospital um, was... A doctor who I'm not really Fond fan of. of. Mm-hmm. And we're not supposed to name you names. You can name names on Dr. Stu's okay. podcast, but you don't have to. <laughs> I'm happy to. You're certainly welcome to, yeah. So Dr. Beekman um, is not one of my favorite. I don't think she has very good um, bedside manners. And um, anyhow, for no really particularly good reason, we ended up on, a, on the operating room. The opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily opinions of the people at the uh, owners of the show. Blah, blah, blah. There you go. He's throwing me on the bus. Disclaimer. No, no, no. He's just saying no. it's your. It, it's no, how I'm you just, feel. I'm just. Mo- I'm mocking. Yeah. I'm mocking all, all like the like the. Yeah. You know the network television shows and stuff like that that do that to protect so. yourself. To yeah. pr- the, and to you protect probably themselves. have never met him in person, so why? How no. would you know? So. Uh, uh, Doctor Bickman? Yeah. yeah. No, I know. I know her. We oh, okay. we do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, no. I I know her. Um. I don't know, I think I think was she Cedars trained? I'm not she, sure. She might have been Cedars trained because I, I I knew her for I've known her for a long time. Okay. Okay. So S- go ahead. So uh, we ended up in, with the, not a cesarean, which was heartbreaking, and um, and then the fourth time. <laughs> yes. Um, I had Bliss. Yeah. And Doctor Stu. Yes. And then by default, we also had Beth. Coming to the, to, mm-hmm. the, to the birth mm-hmm. and um, despite the fact the experience of labor and yet another cesarean was totally different different because I felt that overall I was surrounded by love at home during labor and then when we transfer uh, with the midwives of UCLA and the nurses uh, and the doctors in the operating room it was still, you know, disappointing and heartbreaking and yes. unexpected. Yes. And um, do you want to tell the audience sort of why you got transferred with the fourth one? Well, what's the technical terms for that? We want to hear your your story. Yeah, I mean, you explained with the yeah. third one you were that you, you got transferred because the midwife got a little nervous because she couldn't differentiate the pain. Mm-hmm. What was going on with the fourth one? Well, we tried every single possible thing I could imagine. In fact, we could make a book probably out of it. And we probably should. And <laughs> <laughs> and he was very high up and would not descend. At some point, I got very hopeful when I saw you getting the uh, vacuum out of your bag. But yeah, we tried and tried and... He would not budge, and I, I was, it was getting excruciating because my understanding is that his head was constantly pounding on my pubic bone. Correct. And um, so, you know, 
like we always say to all the moms in labor, when you need an epidural, you need to you need an epidural, and you yeah. go and you go get it. And Suffering is is not the point right. of all of this, right. you know. So, and you know that as a yes. as a doula, you know, when you, you can see a woman coping with the discomforts of labor, and then you can see a woman suffering. And I think at a certain point, it was pretty obvious that you were, you know, you were so committed to having this baby at home, and you did you every stone was unturned you know overturned you had even, a chiropractor even things, there even things that we don't normally do i mean there was we, we were doing we were doing some exams and stuff and trying to push the baby's head yeah we were down trying behind the pubic bone and diana has a, a pendulous belly um so the baby was really like leaning forward mm-hmm. um and uh i i really really believed that if we gave it enough time he would work his, himself out, you know, because of my faith in birth. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that we had Dr. Fishbein on the team was, you know, really amazing to be able to say like, okay, well, is there something manually that we might be able to do mm-hmm. to help this along? Mm-hmm. Um, because you were, you know, you were in so much pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and that didn't work either. And so Dr. Fishbein, you know, said, I think that getting an epidural and maybe helping her relax might, change this and we've seen that happen too you know where you go in and you get to be able to relax and everything the picture changes you know the muscles relax and then the baby can get into a different position yes yes we went we tried we rested we slept but yeah it didn't work yeah and so we ended up with another cesarean yeah so what would you like to say i mean you know when we were processing after the birth um I really believed that something really beautiful was going to come out of this for you. <laughs> Stu's uh, behind my back, mouthing something. Yeah, no, no, I don't, I don't want to go where we don't want to go. Oh no, you can, we can go there. It's fine. Okay. Yeah, right. I understand now what you were saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. because there was a, I mean, again, it's something we that I didn't know if she wanted to talk about it or not, but it's a good thing to talk about because this does happen rarely. And she had a uh, complication, oh, so yeah, I wanted to yes. know. Oh, well, I, let's do But I do wanted that to do it off, off the record. Before we went off onto the next topic. Yeah, let's do that I wanted first. to sort of finish with this fourth mm-hmm. delivery. Mm-hmm. Yes. So why don't you tell us what happened? And you went home. I went home. Uh, How many days post? Fairly quickly. Yeah, they let like me two go. days? Yeah. It was two days. And again, I was very happy because uh, I feel like UCLA Santa Monica has a different type of care than St. John's where I was with my third baby. Yeah. They, uh, you know, they let me go as soon as they realized I was good enough to go home and which was great. And, um, however, after two days, um, I went to the bathroom and then something was not right. Uh, my husband decided to call the ambulance and they saw that my blood pressure was going lower and lower and lower and they decided to take me in and, Dr. Stu showed up in the emergency room (laughs) (laughs) and Blaze came too. Yeah, of course. And um, it was kind of comical, actually, if I think back at (laughs) those hours, because having you there holding Robin and then... That's her baby. That's my baby. (laughs) And then um, having the doctor talking to you and uh, and seeing you like trying to convince him to get trained about bridge babies it was amazing <laughs> that never happened by the way he, he, he offered to like i mean we talked about the possibility yeah. of me coming and talking and that fell through i even yeah. i think i even sent him a text afterwards mm. but besides the point part of me w- wants to say 
that you spent a lot of time in the ER and there was a lot of monkey business going on. And from my point of view, I don't, again, I don't want to overstep your perspective, but to me, the diagnosis, what was going on was clear and it took them forever sort of to figure it out. Yes. Which right. was, what was the diagnosis? She was bleeding retroperitoneally. Yeah, so she, uh, her, her, her... A, a stitch or something tore yeah. or whatever. She was on the bathroom and something tore. So obviously she was quite stable. She went home for two days and then something gave way. And it yeah. wasn't necessarily because she was on the bathroom. Could have been happened if she was sitting in a chair. Sometimes that happens. And probably a, a suture gave way and there was a little artery probably mm-hmm. that was bleeding. But it wasn't bleeding into the belly. It was bleeding into the retroperitoneum because they had done a, they did an ultrasound on her initially and they didn't see much free fluid in her belly mm-hmm. but her blood pressure was dropping I, I, i've partly is is the experience of practicing for this long yeah and 20 you know 28 years in the hospital and you see these sorts of things and so i i just said there's this is the only thing it could possibly be and it took you know finally they did a they did a cat scan or mri yes. or something like yes, that yes it was mri and then they found it but yeah. it's it, it's again it, you know the the idea that you that you can that people can make decisions without technology, You're right? Was right. it just it's it was the pain and lower blood pressure? Oh that, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was mm-hmm. it, you know, and her hemoglobin was falling. Yes, that mm-hmm. was the biggest sign. Yeah, you were like, that's it. There's no. Where's it going? Yeah, it yeah. has to be going someplace. Right. It's not coming out. Yeah. So open and it's not her in up. her belly. It's right. got to be retroperitoneally. Mm-hmm. So finally, they they took her back and. You know, it was uh, it's a, it's it's a big deal. Yeah. And she, but she she's here, so we're yeah. good. Yeah. We're good. So you had to have a second surgery. Yes. And go back and be in the hospital again. Yes. Yeah. It was a bummer. But it, you know, the good news was that we were smart because we know our way around the hospital a yep. little bit, and so yep. we had Robin with me. The village came together. They they nursed him. They fed him for the first twenty four hours because I couldn't nurse him because of the, the medication anesthesia. Really. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, so that was good. You know, I felt like I was very loved. You were. You were. And of. I have to say that they <laughs> they were really really gracious about letting me in and be hanging out and and Chris was there and then the baby was there and and right in the ER. Yeah, I came after you. Yeah, I'm just yeah. saying it was really it was uh, you know it was, it was very impressive that they that they were that open about it too, especially because mm-hmm. she wasn't she was sick. Yeah, I mean not really. Sick. I mean she was unstable, put it that way. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yes, and they still let us hang around. Um, right. So, kudos to them. So so tell us more about what you are hoping that our listeners can learn from your experience and from other women that you have spoken to. So I wanted to be here to a little bit shine a light about um, home birth, cesarean, because I think it's not, people don't talk about it enough. Moms who end up having a a cesarean after planning a home birth tend to hide away. Uh, They often feel not seen, not uh, remembered, not celebrated. And so I just wanted to, you know, be here and start talking about it and maybe, you know, have a conversation about it. <laughs> and that's what we're doing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was saying, you know, before we, we got on to the second, um, when you went back for to the ER, um, that I really knew, because I know you, and I know who you are for your clients, um, that you went and did a delivery for a mama shortly after you had just gone through all of this because you wanted to be there, even though it could be very triggering for you to you know experience that and so I knew that you were going to 
be inspired to do something from this experience. And I think that this is the beginning of that. So I'm really delighted to yeah. have this conversation with you. Yeah. It's funny because sometimes, you know, it's this is a gift. I see it as a gift, a gift that I don't necessarily want. Yeah. <laughs> Here like, I am. Like a, like a, like a, f- <laughs> a fruitcake and Christmas or something? Yes, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> or a haggis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. When you walk <laughs> through a really difficult experience, and we've all had them, you know, um, you you know how to support someone else, walk them through that journey. Um, yeah, and we'd rather not have those painful experiences, but the ability to be able to turn that around and and help another woman through this experience or educate mm-hmm. us on how we could help these moms feel seen and celebrated, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure is important to us and our listeners. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. Great. And you know, I feel that there's no, um, there's no, there are not many tools for homebirth cesarean moms. Uh, of course, there's you know therapy, there's body work, there is uh, acupuncture, meditation. But you know, think about it. You know, you have the bills from the midwifery care, which unfortunately is not covered. I don't know if there's any states that covers midwifery care there are but they're not going to cover the midwifery care when you ended up having your delivery in the hospital that's the that's right. sort of the problem yeah. you can you can't bill for the delivery twice right there's a one code right so they get the big code and then you the midwife has to break their code down basically into the individual visits and sometimes they pay for that and sometimes they don't right, right. and so then to be told go find yourself a therapist or, you know, go do body work or go do this, go do that. It's just, it's not realistic. Yeah. And so um, I wish there were a, a big home cesarean group in Los Angeles. There is one, but it's not very active. Mm-hmm. The biggest one, um, it's the general um, group created by um, Courtney Jericke, who is up in Portland. Mm-hmm. Uh, she came here about five years ago and did a workshop here um a beanie birth actually mm-hmm. um for doulas it was specifically for doulas all the moms were welcome and midwives um birth worker in generals but you know again not many people showed up mm-hmm. and not that her way is the only way or the best way but it's just not something that um we are trained as birth workers to think of you know, we think about moms prenatally and postnatally up to a certain point. But then, you know, ombre cesarean moms, I feel like, have a longer recovery that often gets forgotten. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to mention that. So it's, it's, I know that uh, I'm I'm member of a group. Are you talking? Is this the person that has the Facebook group? Yes. Yes. What's yeah. it called? It's called Homebirth Cesarean. Homebirth Cesarean. Right. Okay. We, we want to mm-hmm. plug that so mm-hmm. people can... Can go Connect and they can, to other they, can, they can follow it or whatever it is, and yeah. then they get the like announcements. Yeah, yeah. like it. Is mm-hmm. that what it is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like on Facebook, follow on Instagram. Uh, yeah, yeah. And the, f- the thing. Uh, the f- what about Twitter? I we don't tweet. Do you tweet? Why do you keep I, asking no. me? That? I try. John, do you tweet? <laughs> no. Yeah, we have four people. Tweet here. free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, you know, birth workers are welcome on that group. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they are allowed to 
comment or give advice. I think it's more like a place for them to read and learn and get educated, but it's more like a place, a platform for moms to share their experience and vent and yeah. Right. Yeah, I just follow it because uh, occasionally there'll be something on there that I'll either comment on or yeah. or just it just gives me perspective. Perspective. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Bliss is filling in all my words, <laughs> my last words of every sentence. She will be filling in. There you go. <laughs> He's going to fire me. You guys have to write in. <laughs> <laughs> I would never fire you because you know what? People will stop listening. People listen for you. Oh, I don't know. They you love your. They love your. Your bye bye. <laughs> I, love that, I love that at the end. Everybody loves your bye-bye. Um, I do the same thing with the, the free birth um, Facebook groups okay. because I feel like it just gives me so much perspective to know like things that we might get a little like rigid about mm-hmm. if you hear someone who's not getting any care and didn't have anyone there and what and how they managed it and how what the outcome was. Mm-hmm. I think it gives us really good perspective. So I will definitely, that would, could be the first thing that I do is go onto that group and and be able to uh, hear from firsthand from moms of what they're feeling. Great. Yeah. Great. So I went on the group when I you invited me to come over here and I asked the moms. I said, what would you like them to know? What would you like them to hear from you? Mm-hmm, um, right. And I was hoping to, you know, be like a bridge between... And she has 1,109 pages. <laughs> so <laughs> buckle up, people. No. We're going to be here a while. No. Grab a pillow. It's only like two or three pages, so we're in good shape. What do you got there? Let's go. Um, okay, so um, I have Jamie saying um, that, first of all, home birth cesarean can happen to anyone, and magical thinking does not prevent it. So let's talk about this, because one of the biggest trigger for me is to hear somebody tell me, if you really want it, it's going to happen. Right. Or um, she believed she could, so she did it. Not true. You no, know. It's, it, I can definitely tell you it's not true because Bliss and I have bought lottery tickets before. <laughs> and, 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 and it hasn't happened. As a matter of fact, we really wanted the last it. time I bought a lottery ticket, I think I bought four tickets. I didn't, I didn't even have a single number right. that matched any of the numbers, right. which is, I think, I think you should win something for having no numbers. Right. <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> no. Yes, I yeah, do. Yeah, you should win your $2 back, I think, <laughs> if your thing has no numbers that match. This is called gambling. Yeah, I know. Yeah. No, anyway, so no, you can't just make it, ma- the magical thinking doesn't. No, uh, no. and one thing is work. to meditate and prepare your mind and yeah. body and your spirituality, but to, I think it becomes more like a blame for mom to hear that, you know, that she didn't maybe believe it enough or she didn't want it enough. And yeah. Beca- and that's why she ended up with another cesarean or a cesarean. Um, and so that goes back to, you know, trying to, as birth worker, z- try not to promise X, Y, and Z to a mom. Just not yeah. saying, if you do this and that, then that's the outcome you're going to get. Well, that's not necessarily true. Let's just say... I promise you that whatever happens, you'll have support. You you work hard. You will be empowered. You'll have choices. You you'll know what to do. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and I would I would just say that statistically speaking, because my mind goes sort of to the math part. Uh, I'm the math. <laughs> yes. Part of our team. Um, you know, first first time moms, primips, uh, the transport rate, even in the best of midwife practices other than people like Ina May, maybe. But, you know, it's going to be somewhere between 15 and 20% of those people. And of those people, they get transferred with a head-down baby. 
half are still going to deliver vaginally generally. So you're going to have a C-section rate of about 7% to 10%. That's one out of, you know, that's, that's not nothing. You know, 10 and then, to 15. What? I think is more the, the C-section stati- rate. No, the statistic Trans- for transports. It depends. There are certain Birth practices in, in, in England and stuff like that. If you look at it, the transport rate for primips is 30 to 40%, but that's because they have this easy trans, you know, this easy system in place that's collaborative mm-hmm. that works really, really, really well. Mm-hmm. And then if you look at, of course, the naysayers for home birth, like Chervenac and Grunbaum, you know, they always say that, you know, 20, 30, 40% of people have people will get transferred as if that's a reason not to have, first of all, it's false, mm-hmm. but if, even if that's a reason not to have a home birth because they consider transport to be something that's negative, you know, and I don't, if transport is just the culmination of the fact that they, at least they got the chance to have the birth that they were hoping for or trying to have uh, hope for. Although it's disappointing for many women yes. who plan it, yes. whether they end up with a vaginal delivery or a cesarean it's for no, most but, women but statistically it's, i just want them to know that yeah. it's not it's not rare it's it's mm-hmm. it's 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 common yeah and now we always talk about how the cesarean rate is growing um so do you think that that 15 20 percent that transfer who transfers ends up with a cesarean because of back here at the hospital because of because of the well, nature I, I would being say that the, I would say of the blows that transport, whether it's fifteen percent or thirty percent or twenty percent or whatever, about half of them will still deliver vaginally. They'll just get the epidural in the pit, and they'll and they'll end up having a vaginal delivery, whereas about half. So you're even you're talking about a cesarean section rate in the home birth population of, like I said, seven percent, eight percent on first time moms. It's it's significantly mm-hmm. less in my appearance in my in my experience with multips, which the C section rate's like one. You know. So would you say that that seven percent is justified, or could have been prevented? Oh, I, oh, I think it's ap- you know the, in my experience Much the cases justified. are justified. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, look at the World Health Organization lists ten to fifteen percent as the C-section rate, and when you're talking about home birth people, you're you're excluding a lot of the real high risk stuff. I mm-hmm. mean, they're not generally talking about twins, breaches, preemies, anomalous fetuses, anything you know that sort of stuff. So the, uh, a C-section rate of seven percent or ten percent. Is, is not unreasonable. I mean, in, in 1970 in the United States, the C-section rate was five to five and a half percent. All right. And that was the norm. Mm-hmm. And nothing has changed dramatically in the last 45, 50 years uh, regarding the size of babies or the size of women's pelvises. There have been a little bit of increasing in the age of, of pregnant women, which I don't think is a factor. I think the factor is uh, continuous fetal monitoring and Friedman curve that uh, put women on a timetable and restrict their movement and, and deny them the options that are that that are so important for mammalian birth which is to be you know you know quiet safe and unobserved um, but the hospital just doesn't isn't conducive to that so I think if you take the same cohort of women low-risk women with a singleton head down baby in their first pregnancy the c-section rate for those women in the hospital will be about 20 24 percent. And the C-section rate for those women in a in a midwifery type practice at home would be about seven percent. Some people say three percent. Uh, I just think the three is not real, real reasonable. I think five percent is probably what it should be. Okay. Yeah, including all of the you know people who are high risk. I think five percent is is pretty standard. Yeah. Wait. So yeah. you're saying that people who are high, you know, including breaches, twins, and everything else, your overall C-section rate should be five percent. You just said nationally back in the day it was five and a half percent. 
Right, but right, yeah, you're right. But right now, nobody. I mean, unfortunately, you're right. If they were, if they were teaching the skills, right. and they were allowing it, and and administrators and risk managers weren't making decisions in labor and delivery, and right. people were free to right. move about the cabin, right. then then right. we might see. Um, I'm I'm talking about like. If, uh, you know, if we were just basing women that if we didn't have cesarean as a life-saving tool, those women in the past would have died. I think it's about 5%. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But that's true. If, if women can't have breaches and we know that we're rolling into the hospital and that breach probably could have delivered, you know. Right. So that, that does increase it a little bit. Well, that's 3 to 4% of all term pregnancies right there. Yeah. And 80 to, you know, over 90% of those breaches are going to get sectioned. Right. Okay. 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 Next. That was who, that was Jamie that asked that question? That was Jamie, yes. Um, Then Sarah says, uh, there's so many factors that um, influence birth. And we have to remember that baby is also an active participant in the birth. Yes. So it's not just about mom. And so, you know, because as mom... We think, okay, what did I do right? What I did wrong? What? Why was it position? Was it my diet? Was it the moon? What, what was it? And then we forget <laughs> about baby. You know, what mm-hmm. did baby want? What did baby need? And was baby big, small, position? Who knows? And I'm gonna get a little woo woo. Go for it. We yeah, love woo woo. You know. That's what well, Bliss is in charge of the woo-woo di- division of the <laughs> Dr. podcast. <laughs> That's what I do sometimes. I uh, have actually even woo-woo. seen babies have really interesting things happen because they wanted to get the attention of somebody. Usually the dad. And having a cesarean, you mean? Mm, maybe. But, okay. but, you know, other things. Just having, like, very... like. Remember that baby that we had that we transported to the... You're laughing. I, I want you to look at me and you say, remember that baby that we had that we well, transported? We've been, we've been working together for a really long yeah, time. Yeah, the one that, that um, we stayed friends with the family. And, remember the um, hamburger that we had at the time with the soda? Anyways, this baby, we, no, we could not figure out why this baby would be having issues. And we transported... Of course After, I remember that. Like 40 minutes or something. It was right. a long time you, you, before we made the decision. To yeah. So the baby you was called, born? You, you called me to come. I, I came and put a vacuum on that baby, right? Yeah. Right. And it just was dusty and, you know, it just was. And then we got to the hospital and Wait, the baby specify was what dusty means because our listener might not dusky. know. Dusky. Oh, dusky. Like blue, kind of grayish. Gray. Right. Yeah, yeah. Not pink. Not pink. Um, anyway, so I just, that, that. You're talking about that the baby's a participant, you know, in this process. And there's also that, you know, f- from my perspective, there's also this emotional, spiritual component that can kind of come into it sometimes. And we don't know exactly what their journey is. Yes. But there have been many times when we've had a birth where it just wasn't going quite right. And we ended up we transporting to the hospital and we were exactly in the right place that we needed to be because there were situations that came up that if we had been at home, it would not have been a good situation. So I trust all of that, you mm-hmm. know, to a certain degree as well. Mm-hmm. But yes. You were about to say what happened to the baby when it got to the hospital? Oh, it was it fine. was fine. Right. Okay. <laughs> just wanted people at home who were listening to the story saying, Bliss, finish the story. Yeah. Right. It was fine. It's like, it just was like, I it, think it's time to do something exciting. I think we need to leave the house. Yeah. And so he, baby wanted dad's attention, you said? Yeah. What What did dad do when you got to the hospital? 
he was he was alert. He, he was, was awake. Uh-huh. He knew he knew he was like on board. Do you know what I mean? But then yeah. the question is, would have dad been alert at home? You know, without that outcome, would have been would have that been different? Sometimes, sometimes that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> that's a whole because other podcast. we're getting in the in the deep of spirituality here. You know, the yeah. bl- where is the like a mom could wonder like where is the blame? There's no blame. There's no blame. It's just we're, you know, from that, what I'm weaving in here is that we, there's a lot more than just the mom's intentionality. Oh, I I, I could, you know, I'm I'm not woo-woo like that, but I, but I, 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 I I (laughs) agree with you. Uh, I've seen it enough times. Like like the baby that we know has excellent dates. Mm -hmm. It's 41 weeks. It's 42 weeks. Right. And it's just labor isn't coming. Mm-hmm. And we do think that labor is triggered by the baby. By the baby. Mm-hmm. Don't really know exactly the mechanism, but we think it's triggered triggered by the baby. So why isn't that baby coming? Mm-hmm. You know, and then you take cozy. Yeah, well, it's cozy, or there's it knows maybe it can't fit, or it knows that its cord is in a precarious position. Maybe yeah. there's a true knot in my cord, and I don't really want to come down. I don't. Right. I mean, I don't. I know it doesn't really know that, but somehow instinctually there's something and so you mm-hmm. go to the hospital and they maybe try to induce her and the baby has deep variables and they do a section and mm-hmm. and find out oh there's a true knot in the cord and it's mm-hmm. pretty tight and that sort of thing so if that baby that's like you said if that baby had been going at home you end up sometimes with things that really shouldn't be happening at home right right so, so there are good reasons definitely yeah. not blame but i hear that there's a way that you can word things and and an awareness in how you talk that can help not have the mom hear yes. that I should have done something else. Yeah. 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 Because, you know, like we talked about this, they, you know, at the end of the day and night when you're lying in bed and you're thinking back about your birth. You Especially just, us Virgos. Yes. You just, <laughs> you had just keep spinning. Right. What if, what, what if, if, what, what if, if what yeah. If. And yeah. it's just torture. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just a reminder, like uh, Christine says, uh, the whole idea of birthing, being a mom to her baby uh, collapsed, you know, and nobody was asking about that. You know, what's what's where's the dream? What happened to the dream It's like telling a bride, oh, OK, your cake got smashed. Uh, it rained all day and um, the photographer forgot to come, but you still got a husband. Mm hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like you still got a healthy baby. You still have your baby. It's yes, of course. And there is joy in having your baby, a healthy baby and loving that baby. But there's also the feeling of uh, having lost something. For a, sure. A dream and an idea and, you know, knowledge because, you know, we keep we keep hearing how bad a cesarean is for a baby. You know, they don't get mm-hmm. the the. Help me here. <laughs> they don't pass through the biome. Yes. Yes. Um, it's not as much the 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 C section after a long labor that's a problem for the baby, as much as it's the C, the elective scheduled pre labor cesarean section, because during a labor where you have a long labor and stuff like that, the the, the baby does get the stresses of labor. It does get exposed to some of the the vaginal bacteria that sort of thing as long as your cervix is opening and dilating so again michelle odont is very big on the it's the pre-labor cesarean that's the one that really sort of 
affects the uh, epige epigenetics and the microbiome far more so. And those are the babies that may down the road have the chronic illnesses and the autoimmune disorders and the adult onset diabetes and the childhood asthma, more so than a baby that's been in labor for 20 hours and ends up with a C-section. Just want people to know that that's what he thinks. Don't know that. Don't know whether that's been proven. Proven. Well, that, that's been in my experience. My children are fairly healthy. Healthy. Yeah. yeah. Even though. So I'm glad you mentioned that because I hope moms will hear that and get reassured. Oh, they get. They get. Yeah. The, the the benefit of the baby choosing its own birthday, I think, is really significant. I think nature does things in a way for a reason. All right, and you know it doesn't always come out perfectly, but the you know it's it's had it's had eons to evolve to a point where. This is how it's supposed to be done. And when you mess with it... There's a ripple effect. There is, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Mm -hmm. it is, there's a ripple effect. It's not like there's an equal and opposite reaction, but do you, you, there is a ripple effect. I mean, mm -hmm. classic example would be penicillin. Mm -hmm. Penicillin has saved countless lives, but it's now also creating... The bacteria are getting smart, and they've you know that we're getting superbugs that are resistant to this, and mm -hmm. so we have to develop new 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 strains of new types of antibiotics and new generations of antibiotics, and those antibiotics then may have other side effects that affect other parts of your bacteria, you know your your biome or your kidneys or whatever else, and so you know it, it there are ripples. It's a good way to put it. Mm -hmm. Still, excellent. Okay, um, let's see. Um, Kira, Kira says, um, just to remember that um, cesarean, home birth cesarean is an act of love, is a sacrifice, and it's not failure uh, when your body doesn't do it. It's love and sacrifice. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, going back to the whole idea of like, your body was made to do this, uh, it's a problematic statement because... It's so problematic? Yes. Mm -hmm. Because we try to empower women to trust their body, but yet when then it doesn't work work that way, then we, what, what does that mean? That we, our body is broken. malfunctioning or mm -hmm. broken. Mm -hmm. And um, that can create lots of problems afterwards, postpartum depression. So preemptively, mm -hmm. If we're counseling a, a mom, because you're a birth worker too, so I know that you talk to women and you're and you're working on getting them prepared for birth. And the, and we were talking earlier in this podcast or or before about <laughs> worry, about worry. We were talking about it before, anyways, about the worry of birth, right? So in this culture um, or worldwide, because we were talking about somebody from Australia that. How do you how do you encourage women and and get them into this mindset of like trusting their body and then at the same time hold that container that they could be this five percent seven percent of women who end up having a cesarean and not disempower them like you know what would your recommendation be in terms of how do you do both? I would just remind them that birth is such a miracle not because of itself but because it's so unknown in a way mm -hmm. there's so much that we don't know right. and and that's why we're so drawn to it i mean as birth worker especially mm -hmm. but you know every time we go to a birth is different doesn't matter how many times we we do this and so women need to know that yes there is a part that is um planned 
there it's they we can be educated about they can be empowered about there's also but there also the magic needs to be in trusting that there is a part that we cannot control yeah that it's unknown the not the not promising that yes. you were talking about earlier yes. uh-huh. but then no matter what they will be celebrated no matter what color ends up being their birth no matter what shape or form um that can be promised for sure yeah yeah great they always come out. That's what I say. And it's always beautiful. <laughs> I've seen beautiful cesarean's birth. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, you know, it's, um, I think that just like you were saying with the wedding analogy, you know, that might not be the way that she pictured her day. Yes. But there are ways to celebrate mm-hmm. the beautiful moments that we can and honor that she that she has some feelings around that she has some disappointments that there's there's a process of mourning that has to be supported and the other thing I think that you brought up that's a really good point is you know we can't expect that the woman's going to be able to have the resources available to be able to get the extra support so I hope that you will breathe some life into this Los Angeles VBAC <laughs> home birth cesarean. home birth cesarean I'll try I'll try everybody's welcome for sure yeah because yeah. it seems like that would be a really good support system. Yes. And yeah. it would really be nice to hear from our listeners and uh, through Homeboard Cesarean for people that have had a good experience at, at hospitals. So we can also put together a list of people, uh, hospitals and places where the things that you just discussed, Bliss, can be honored and there can be kindness in the way you're treated and in photography. a hospital setting. <laughs> and photography, you know, because that plays a huge part because mom who ends up with a cesarean still gets to see how hard she worked. You know what yeah. I mean? So you mean they, they let they let the photographer into yes. the room? Well, yeah. mom, please hire a photographer, number one. And mm-hmm. second, please, hospital staff, do let them in. Do let the photographer in. Yeah, because that, that's a big loss, too, when she yes. can't have her team yes. that she was expecting yes. to have. Any other last thoughts that you want to no, throw at us? Thank you so much. I have, for a, I, have here. A, I have a final Jeopardy question. Oh, here okay, we go. Right. Final Jeopardy question. Thanks for the being answer here. is Tom York. I don't know. <laughs> no idea. Oh, who I'm going to see tonight? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> thank God my friend's not yeah. listening. Who's to performing this at the Greek Theater to, uh, tonight? There you go. Uh, you got <laughs> Tom it. Tom York. That's who you I'm saying. It. I'll let oh. you know how it goes. Diana, God, thank you so much for coming in. And you know what? We have more to converse about. So obviously, we run out of time sometimes. So we'll probably have you back. Thank you. And uh, you certainly could still go on Elliot's podcast, but we're going to get ours <laughs> out there first. So as always, we really appreciate you people listening to us. We know again you're podcast app is filled with podcasts all of which have their logo on it except mine (laughs) he's not bitter or anything no not bitter Uh, but uh, we appreciate you listening to us taking the time out of your day to put us in your car or your home or your bathtub or wherever you want to listen to us (laughs) and uh, you can find us again at birthinginstincts.com is my website blisses is birthingbliss.com oh and Deanna where can people find you they can find me at the art shape photography artshapedphotography.com or on Instagram at artshaped. Yeah, and Renee will try. Renee, please put up a link to uh, Diana's stuff on the podcast uh, website at drstuspodcast.com. So until next time, I'm Dr. Stu Fishbein with uh, Diana Hynek and Bliss. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.